Last time, we promised DNM that we'd get our heads together and start asking the right questions. In honor of Rogelski, I'm going to call this sliding into philosophy. Rogelski reminded us that when we slide into philosophy, we have some rules to go by, like you need to know what's already been said on a topic. But what are the topics and what are the questions? Hello, I'm Dr. Brad Fuller, and this is the Gig-Based Learning Podcast. Enter Aristotle, sometime around 350 BC, with the Septum Circumstantiae, aka the Seven Circumstances, or what journalists call the Five Ws and One H. In Book 3 of Nicomachean Ethics, say that word second TM, Aristotle wrestles with the concept of just versus unjust actions and determines that, quote, it is necessary for students of virtue to differentiate between voluntary and involuntary acts. Essentially, another angle on the beware of stealthy assumptions warning. According to Sloan, 2010, Aristotle believed that, quote, any statement must be made plausible or convincing by adding detailed information. And he provided the template of the seven types of circumstances as a strategy to work through, quote, in order to supply substantial information to corroborate one's statement and avoid, quote, regretted actions. About 850 years after Aristotle, Roman philosopher Boethius fashioned the circumstances into seven questions that work really well when translated into English as who, what, why, how, where, when, with what. Aristotle cautions us on the dangers of ignoring the circumstances of our actions, saying, Thus, with ignorance as a possibility concerning the circumstances of the act, the one who acts in ignorance of any of them seems to act involuntarily, and especially regarding the most important ones. And it seems that the most important circumstances are those just listed, including the why. Indeed, inasmuch as an action has been called involuntary in accordance with such ignorance, still it is necessary that the deed evokes sorrow and regret. Thankfully, Boethius has given us a list of seven questions that we can use to help us to act justly and voluntarily and to hopefully minimize our sorrow and regret. But in a footnote at the bottom of that last quote, Sloan offers an alternative translation that might just be a game-changer for us. And it seems that the most important circumstances are the who and the why. Now we're starting to build in some more rules for sliding into philosophy. We can use the septum circumstantiae to help us to construct our own philosophies of education which will illustrate our actions. You recall that I call my version bradagogy. We can begin by using them to interrogate the essentially contested concepts at the core of our profession. Rather than making assumptions about education, we can ask questions like, who is classroom music education for? Why should those students have access to classroom music education? What should they learn about music? How should they learn it? With what should they learn? For example, this might open up questions about technology-rich versus technology-restricted. Where should they have their music classes? When should they have their music classes? And, of course, these questions rest on assumptions about who is education for generally and why should children be educated in schools, etc. So you might like to start there before tackling the classroom music education questions. But remember, we don't have to start from scratch. 
the cats of music education have already thought about this, so we can draw on their answers to help us to formulate our own. But wait, there's more. We can also use the septum circumstantiae as the basis for our own reflective practice. This is a micro version of the big questions where we can look at the students in front of us and ask, who are these people? Or even better, who are these persons? And even better, who is this person? Who am I doing classroom music education with and for? Why am I doing classroom music education with and for them? By getting the best possible answers to those two questions, and only then, we can start to think about the next set. Based on who is in our classrooms, including us, and why we are there, what should we learn? Should everybody learn the same things? How should we learn it? Should everyone learn the same way? What tools or technologies might we employ? Might these be different on a per-student basis? Where should we learn? This also works closely with the how and opens up questions about classroom design. When should we learn? This opens up questions about co-curricular, blended learning, etc. As I've alluded here, these questions seem to have an interrelated feeling about them. The kinds of answers to one question has flow-on effects to other answers. Ingredients change, you get better at asking questions, you get better at finding answers, and you test all of this out in real life as your theories illustrate your practice. To that end, I use the septum circumstantiae of classroom music education as a schema or model to remind me to continue to rotate through these questions in my own practice. It's a recursive model, which simply means that it's a repeating process whose output at each stage is applied as input in the succeeding stage, essentially a rinse and repeat. So there you have it, an Aristotelian basis, that's what philosophers call anything to do with Aristotle, for your reflective practice that also provides a tool for you to dig into the big questions at the core of our profession. As Aristotle reminds us, the who and why are the most important. I think there's pretty solid evidence on the macro level that classroom music education has a history of making assumptions about the who and the why and jumping to the what and how. On the micro level, these assumptions have resulted in involuntary actions being carried out in music classrooms, leading to much sorrow and regret for teachers and students. Aristotle wrote the Nicomachean Ethics as part of his greater project to understand what human beings need in order to live life at its best. If classroom music education is leading to sorrow and regret rather than life at its best, perhaps we're asking the wrong questions. If you'd like to know more about gig-based learning, we have a website at, unsurprisingly, geekbasedlearning.com. On the website, you'll find information about our geek-based learning community of practice. It's for classroom music teachers who want to find other classroom music teachers and join with them to live the good life of good teaching. I hope to see you there.